Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffitt and Amanda Hoshite. Well, hello, here we are, uh, episode six of the Misfit Messengers podcast. Um, I'm here, actually, so here's the cool thing this week, this time, we're actually in person together in the same room. Yay! Which could mean that we're a little louder than normal, get a little more excited, maybe, I don't know, it might be a little different. Feels a little different to be in the same room, right? Yeah. This time you can't just mute me if I go off topic. I have never once <laughs> muted you. <laughs> we might be able to pick up more laughter that way. <laughs> and maybe we won't talk over each other because the Zoom thing or the internet thing when we're recording, uh, we don't. It, there's a little bit of a delay, just enough that it's hard. Sometimes we end up talking over each other, and and it makes it hard to sound edit that, my friends. But. Well, we have talked uh, uh, quite a bit. We've sh- uh, shared some time together. I've, I've come over here to visit. And um, as we were talking about some of the things we might chat about today, uh, we just kind of came back again and again to this idea of God being, being loving, right? But that he's also holy and that these aren't necessarily things that disagree with one another, but that they're complementary towards one another. But to kind of play and flesh that out a little bit. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? And so that's kind of where we're going to go. Right. I think we all want a loving God, and I think we all want a holy God. Um, but how our view of both of those things, of who God is, um, in either one of those, of God is love or God is holy, um, tends to end up in some wackadoo theology. <laughs> yes. Um, when, when a applied um with too heavy of a hand right i think um and i think we should take these types of things seriously but i think a lot of the issues in our modern christendom is is that pendulum swinging thing between Mm -hmm. a loving god and a just god where god perfectly intertwines in both realms simultaneously right and he does not contradict himself even though when we as followers attempt to do um, highlight one or the other, we tend to off contradict ourselves or each other. Absolutely. Um, and end up in all kinds of horrible shenanigans. Well, one of the things I always kind of bring up whenever I'm talking about just God in general is God is God and we're not. Yes. And so sometimes we, as human beings, and I do this myself sometimes too, is I think I can outsmart or outthink or out whatever God where, oh yeah, I, I can understand this completely. And I'll tell you, if, if you can understand God completely, then he's not God. Right. Yeah. Right. And we don't always, we cannot fully understand all of who God is and what God is and, and what God is doing. And so we just try to grasp the pieces that we can so that... In doing so, I think the point of all of that, right, is to learn who God is and learn what God is doing in the world, this redemptive act that he is doing through his son, is so that we can be better followers of Jesus. I, that just reminded me this one time I went to visit a museum. And I was with a group of people, and we were looking at these paintings, and we were looking at um, some abstract stuff, and a guy's with me like, huh, I could do that. And I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> like, um, you you have no idea the amount of skill and talent that went behind what looks to you like, like you, like you could just do it yourself, but it's mostly faceted and it has depth and things. Mm-hmm. And, 
you actually very much could not right. do that. Um, but sometimes we, we as our, like, just think, yeah, I could do the God thing, you know, right. God forbid, you know. Um, no, <laughs> anyone, nobody wants anybody. To anyone is uh, um, given that type. Of, that's why I think off track, but the movie Evan Almighty fully believe that the God character is actually Satan. Oh. In that, because what a terrible thing to do to a person. Right. To, to give them um, that amount of power because we can't handle it because we're not God because God is so other. Right. Completely other. That's, I mean, holy means set apart other, mm-hmm. uh, holy independent of whatever else this earth thing is. But as we think about the characteristics of God, I actually did a study with my women's ministry uh, where we took each week, we did a different characteristic of God from Exodus chapter 34. And I'm going to read just that one little section. um, If I can find it here. Oh, here we go. Verse six, the Lord passed before him. This is Moses. This is the book of Exodus. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord or Yahweh, Yahweh, the God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And, I'm going to stop just there because we, we analyzed each of those Hebrew mm. words, which is actually everybody, I, I highly recommend and highly suggest that you look up and kind of dig deep into each of those words. And actually there's a wonderful resource out there uh, called bibleproject.com. Mm. Oh, they're great. And we actually looked at their videos and in accompanying their videos, they actually have study notes as well. So I use that as the basis as the kind of the jumping off point for that study. But each of those words, so merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, each of those words is just pregnant, if you will, with meaning. Mm-hmm. And and it and it shows God is completely other given the fact that, you know, think about the story of Exodus, right? You have God working with these, these misfits, right? Uh, who are trying to get out, you know, getting out of Egypt as slaves. And then they get in the desert and they grumble and they grumble and they grumble. And yet God says, hey, this is who I am. He's he's describing himself so that the people know this is who I am. When you see me interact with you, these are these are the 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 characteristics that I possess. And it those are very wonderful things, right? Slow to anger. I wish I were slow to anger, right? Abounding in steadfast love. That's that's a Hebrew word, hesed. Mm-hmm. Which is fun to say because you get to do that little phlegmy thing. Has <laughs> said, um, but this this idea of steadfast love, it's not just a love that's superficial. It's not a love that fleets, is fleeting, and and if you make him mad, he goes away, right? It's a love that per, um, perseveres through difficulty and struggle, which is awesome. And, and I'm thinking with slow to anger, he still gets angry. Correct. Yeah, that's I think sometimes we think oh, we slow to anger. Slow to anger doesn't mean you never get mad. Right. It does mean, though, he doesn't throw us away in the cosmic garbage can like he could if he wanted to. Right. right? That steadfast love is a part mm-hmm. of his slow to angerness because he remembers his promises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here, But God can get angry and he can grieve and mm-hmm. he, you know... And, and justifiably. Yeah. I mean, again, God is God and we are not... Praise, praise him for that because no thank you, I don't want that responsibility. But his mercy and grace is so abundant, but yet he will get mad. He does get angry and justifiably so when we 
keep messing up or when we, when especially, you know, I think of those who, who say, I follow God and yet their lives don't reflect that. I mean, James, it's a whole book of James, right? Is this idea that, hey, you claim to follow God. Right. The proof is in in the pudding, right? right? I mean, you can't, you can't claim to be an apple tree and all you're producing is rotten oranges. Like it doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> that is a weird analogy. <laughs> I'm going to go with it. But you it can't. Yeah. Um, you know, um, actually it reminds me of a gardening thing. Uh, someone had given, um, so my friend is a, is a gardener and someone had given her, hyd- I believe, hydrangea okay. seeds. Okay. So she had planted seeds and tended them like a hydrangea bush. Um, and then they were, they blew, they started to grow and she's like, um, I don't, I don't think these are hydrated. I don't know what these are. And they turned out to be some, like a, like a cornflower or something. Totally different flower. And she went back and said, uh, these were not hydrangeas. And they were like, well, that's what it said on the bag. Uh, it's like, yeah, okay. But the flower that bloomed is not right. what I'm looking for. And mislabeled. Mislabeled. Yes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> And we don't want to be mislabeled Christians that are saying we are one thing, but our actions are proving another. I could say all day, oh, Jenny's my friend, but if I talk trash about her and I, whatever, never call her and are mean to you, like, right. then you're like, I don't think That's not what friends, she's my friend. You have a mislabeled definition of that word. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of us are, or could be um, on in danger of mislabeling our relationship with God. Mm, yeah. Not that, but the good thing is God fixes labels. He does. He does. And the great thing is too, God doesn't, like you said, throw us away in the cosmic trash can <laughs> is if we come back, if we say, Hey, dude, I've messed up, you know, mm-hmm. God's going to take us back. Um, mm-hmm. As we were looking at, Gen- at Genesis as Exodus, excuse me, Exodus chapter 34, Um, It continues. So verse 7 says this, Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin, but will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, the children's children, to the third and fourth generation. Which sounds harsh. You're like, whoa. But I think there's a solve to that. Right? There's a solve to that. So this is what it says. Moses replies, He quickly bows his head towards the earth and worshiped God. And he said, if I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us. Be with us, right? Moses says, for it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Mm. Here's the thing. Moses understood that they had messed up. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? He, this is the time when he comes up and makes the second set of tablets because he threw the first one on the uh, what? The golden calf that yeah. the people of Israel... So they deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you who don't know the story, Moses gets the... Oh, read the story, man. Exodus is yeah. just fraught with... It's a great Hollywood blockbuster stuff there. But Moses comes down from this mountain after having this amazing experience with God, receives the Ten Commandments from God on high, has these stone tablets, comes down in the meantime... The people under the headship or the leadership of his brother Aaron have built a golden calf. And not only that, they named the golden calf Yahweh. Yeah, they... (laughs) Which is... After God tells him, don't make... This, this is this is who brought us out of Egypt. This <laughs> right. thing we just built one right. hour ago. Oh, right. the, the hilarity of the story with Aaron saying, "Oh, well, I just threw the threw the gold in the fire that these people gave me, and out popped the golden calf." Totally wasn't my fault. Just <laughs> random chance. But at any so rate, weird. so this is 
this is the story. Moses goes back up the mountain to get this second set of tablets. And this is what God tells him. Hey, this is who I am. I'm gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. But at the same time, I will find guilty the guilty. But Moses said, hey, we are stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked people. We need your forgiveness. We need your mercy. And God replies, Behold, I am making a covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels such as not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among you shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Now think about, I mean, God creates this covenant with the people. And he renews the covenant again. And then in Jesus, we have the ultimate new covenant promised in the book of Jeremiah. Which is my favorite prophet, even though he's a weeping prophet. He had so many wonderful things to say. But we have the new covenant in Christ, which we read about in John chapter 3. Yeah, so Nicodemus, right, he is trying to figure out what this whole Jesus thing is. Um, I love him because he, he is a Pharisee, and Pharisees get a bad rap. They do. All the time. Pharisees wanted to live godly. They did. Um, and I don't think that's something we should take lightly. They wanted, for the most, now granted in every group of people you have the ones that are there for the wrong reasons, but I think for the most part a Pharisee wanted to live the way that God described described right they wanted those Absolutely. things and nicodemus was a true believer and he mm-hmm. said there is something about this random dude walking around things are happening prophecies are being i'm noticing these things yep. but he's still kind of afraid of his friends and not for bad reason like we can give nicodemus a, a bad rap for going at night but like he had a lot if, if jesus was a failed or a false prophet he would have everything to lose so he's yeah. he's in my eyes, actually being somewhat prudent um, in meeting Jesus at night. And, and to be fair, it could be that he was meeting him at night because that was the only time Jesus was available without the crowds. That's true. I guess maybe I've just heard people say that he was afraid yeah. of his friends, but maybe that's not even true. Maybe. Sorry, Nicodemus, if I am Well, that's just what I thought of right now, so I don't know if that's accurate either. I haven't looked at it. In you know, but he says rabbi, so he knows he's... he's teacher. He's yep. Teacher, right? He's putting himself... So Nicodemus was a, was a teacher of teachers. He was a rabbi of rabbis. But he's going to Jesus saying, I have something, I think, to learn from you. Mm-hmm. So he's putting himself in a student position, opening in his ears, saying, we know that you are a teacher come from God. Now, he doesn't know that he's, he's not saying he's your son of God, but he's saying, I know that you are from God mm-hmm. because people can't do the things you do. Right. Um, and I'm acknowledging that. He says, but um, he says, uh, I know you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And and Jesus answered him, right? I say to you. Um, so he answers. He actually answers the question. I love this. That Nicodemus didn't even ask. Right. <laughs> Anticipate. He was anticipating the yes, question. Yes. yes. So he just actually. I love. I love that he just kind of answers. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Hi, I know you have some wise things," and he was like, "He was the answer." Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Totally. What? What are you even talking about, right. Jesus? Nicodemus even says, "Uh, I'm an old man." Right. My mother's an older lady. Like, uh, I don't understand. How can you be born again? How can you be, yeah, born? Like, okay, so just caveat this real quick. We're on the other side of this, so right. born again isn't really a term We're that like, would, come on, Nicodemus. Like, we get it on the backside, but we have the benefit of 2,000 years right. of history. This is the first 
first ever thing about being born again. So Nicodemus is like, wait a second. I've already been born once. I can't crawl back into my mom. This isn't going to... How do you How do you become born first again? First of all, gross. Second Super of all, gross. What? Nobody <laughs> wants that imagery. Yeah. And yet here we have the imagery. It's given to us whether we want it or not. Right. But he's talking about that spiritual birth, right? I Unless you I mean, someone is born of water, that's a birth, right? You were born in water. Your mom's water breaks. Born in water. Um, and born of the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of this flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said you must be born again, because the wind blows where it will. And essentially he's saying, I'm God, and I do what I want. That's a paraphrase. Um, you can read it for yourself. Um, and he's, uh, so then he continues to go on. Um, are you the teacher, or sorry, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things? And he says, aren't you the teacher of Israel and you don't know this? Most assuredly, I say, we speak of what we know and testify what we have seen and, and that you receive our witness. And I, I'm telling you who I am, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, John three sixteen that comes in this meeting with Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I'm going to start in 15. Um, actually, I'm going to start in 12. <gasps> Wait a minute. Okay, no, so I went to Moses, but different story, Moses. Just kidding. 15, um, that whoever believes in him should, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 17, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Um, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of, of, of the only begotten son. This continues, and this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and that men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come into the light, lest his deeds are exposed. But one who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, and that they that have been done, sorry, clearly seen that they have been done in God. And he's saying here, you, you're born again, and God came so that people will be saved. But there are those who are re- who will reject, right? Who love the darkness more than the light, right? That they that they mm-hmm. they love themselves too much, no. and to be born again. No. And it could be pride. It could be fear. Um, it could be a plethora of things, but that exists. Mm-hmm. Well, and God's a gentleman. He's yeah. not going to force anybody to believe in him. Right? He's not going to force himself on anyone. And the fact is that, sadly, there are people who are going to reject him. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, God loves. Right? Yes. God loves all of us. He loved the world so much, he sent his son to die for everyone. Because ultimately, Jesus died for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's yep. those who accept the gift versus those who reject the gift. So sometimes I tell my young people, and please forgive me if this is a terrible analogy, but um, I just say, just imagine um, I come into the classroom and I give every single one of you a PlayStation 5. Just this windfall of money came to the Salvation Army and I just bought you all PlayStation 5s. Super awesome. Did you do anything to deserve this PlayStation 5? 100% you did not. 
But here it is, and it's given to you. Now, some people will take it home, open it up, play, have a super good time, build upon it, right? Grow their thing, maybe invite other people to come play this PlayStation 5, start a whole, like, collective of players. Other kids might just put it in their closet. Right. Still in the box. And be like, yeah, PlayStation 5s are overrated. Whatever, I don't care. Um, they still got the gift, but it didn't benefit them. Um, and sometimes salvation can kind of, in a very bad analogy way, be be like that. The gift is given, mm-hmm. but we're not. Is it really accepted if I, if I don't open it? Right, right. And well, I, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just any analogy you use for salvation is tough, and it's all it's it's always flawed. Any analogy. Oh yeah. But the fact is that God sent Jesus. For everyone, and you know, I go to I, I think about Romans, Romans chapter ten, where it talks about, and who will know unless they hear, and who will hear unless the someone tells them, and who will tell them unless someone sent. And That's on every missionary correct kid T-shirt. Well, it's on. It's, I mean, I, I I was a missionary, so it's it's. Was it's it on very, a T-shirt? No, it was not. I did not you put it on. A opportunity t-shirt. wasted. Well, I'm. I wasn't a big fan of T-shirts with writing. I mean, look at what I'm wearing now. It's. There's no, ain't no writing on this. Anyway. Um, but if we keep looking, like, but what does that mean, right? If you open the gift, that gift of eternal life transforms who you are. You are a new creation. You are born again. Mm-hmm. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? You are, behold, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new has come. Mm-hmm. That's a bad rendition of it, but y'all yeah. get, the, get the point. And that's where sometimes this world gets, gets a little funky. Mm-hmm. Because God's love works together with his holiness, and he's other. So when he calls us to him by his love, his grace, his mercy, his abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger, all of these beautiful characteristics, he creates us anew. Mm -hmm. We are born again, and we are transformed. And if we're not, then I question... Then we have split personality. Something. Something's (laughs) going on. I don't know. But... But if we're not, then what did we receive the gift? Yeah. Right? And that's where God's love works in tandem with his holiness. He makes us holy. Mm-hmm. He calls us to be holy. But he, he makes us holy through the blood of Christ. But have we accepted that? Have we surrendered to mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And when we're born again, we're mm-hmm. like little babies, right? We Absolutely. We have to be raised up and trained, right? Mm-hmm. And that is what church is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's meeting people where they are. You know, if a, if a toddler is learning how to potty train right. and they pee on the floor, um, it's really bad if I just go and scream at them and be like, ah, you're the worst baby in the whole world. No, they're doing what babies do. Right. Right. I gently recreate. This is the potty where the pee goes. Right. Hooray. You know, but, uh, <laughs> and I'm okay thinking about that in my life. I have a reaction to something and God goes, uh, not a godly reaction. This is the proper reaction. And it's okay because you're learning. Right. Right? Right. And we're doing, and we're, now if a 27-year-old goes in my living room and he's on the floor, right, I'm going to have an issue because. <laughs> we're going to have to have a little conversation Because we, we should be above that level. But we have levels. Right. Right? To a, to go through. Well, as we grow in, in maturity of faith, right? Then we talked about that last yeah. podcast with discipleship yes. and growth. But also, it's interesting, his whole conversation, I'm getting back to, to John chapter 3 with Nicodemus and, Je- and Jesus, is, okay, how are you born again? What does that look like? 
And you go to chapter four of John. Yeah. So I'm like, right after that, we get to see a perfect example of this in John chapter four, which is Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at um, the well, the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we were talking before this, that when we think about being born again, we think about the right way to live. And sometimes we put a heavy handed approach on it, like get it together. Like we're like God is mad at us when we for, for, for us being where we are. Or that, you know, okay, now you're saved, so throw away your whole other life and follow this set of rules and do everything the way I say and um, all that kind of stuff. Well, and change who you are. Yeah, change. Like personality and, and, and every aspect of who you are. And that's not what Jesus asks us to right. do. I, I could go a whole thing about when I was a girl telling me about how I should be gentle and meek as a woman um, and silent, you know, because that's what a good Christian... <laughs> and you have to wear a dress. As a Christian girl is. And I was like, well, that's dumb. And a dress to the floor. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that kind of thing, this rigid, this rigidity. Rigidity? Rigidity, yeah. Rigidity. That's, oh, that's words, funny. again. We're coming back. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it. <laughs> um, to this, to this, this Christian life that... Um, but we see a perfect example. So Jesus meets this lady, goes out of his way to meet her. Um, which is so funny. Um, and it's the middle of the day. And this is a very familiar story. Um, he's waiting there. This woman, um, kind of a scarlet letter kind of lady, um, shows up. Um, and <laughs> she's yeah. there. And it says she's there at the heat of the day. I'm imagining uh, desert heat um, to collect water. Not pleasant. But she's there so she doesn't have to deal with all of the gossipy ladies and their ostensibly yeah you know eyes or harsh words or whatever um and jesus is alone the men have went into town and he's like give me a drink and she's like whoa you're a jew i'm a uh, samaritan we do not talk to each other you i'm a woman you don't ask me for a drink you're like breaking all these things what are you even doing um and jesus said to her if you know the gift i have for you you'd ask me for a drink you yeah. know um coy jesus <laughs> And sorry, I just read into things. Um, and so she gives him, you know, saying, you have nothing to draw water. Where are you going to get me this water? Right, yeah. You know, um, are you greater than Jacob who uh, gave us this well, which is funny in my We just talked about Jacob in this well, um, as well as his sons, his livestock. And he says, you know, whoever drinks of the water will never thirst again. Uh, oh, sorry, whoever drinks of this water, this human well, will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water I give you will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become a fountain of springing up into everlasting li life. Mm -hmm. And she's like, well, I don't know where that is, but I want some of that. And so then he goes into the issue. Mm -hmm. Go call your husband. Right? And I just imagine all of her excitement just plummets to the floor. Right. She's like, um, uh, yeah. We're having such a good conversation. Why'd you have to bring my yeah, husband? Yeah, why'd into you it? have to? Why'd you have to bring up this thing? You know, we're talking about this new life. Why you gotta bring up my my baggage? You know, and uh, she says, "I don't have a husband." He's like, "You're absolutely right. Um, you've had five husbands, and now you're living together with some guy who's not your husband." And so then she, I love this. I just see myself and this woman because she like totally changes the subject she's like oh you know stuff okay let's talk about this mountain and where we're supposed to worship and go she's 
She's trying to make it a theological conversation now. Well, because she perceives that he's right. a prophet, right? So right. she's going to, oh, if you're a prophet, this is what I got to talk this about. Is, this these, is the this is prophet the, things. This is the God things that people talk about. So I will talk about it. Um, and he, like, ignores it. <laughs> um, which is so funny. And um, he's kind of just saying, there's, there's time with me where this won't matter. And, but the hours, yeah, where we're going to worship in, in truth and spirit. Again, that is like the being born again. Mm-hmm. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit or truth. And she says, oh my gosh, he's the Messiah. And he says, yeah. And then she goes from there um, and becomes the first evangelist. Which is amazing. Ostensibly. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah. And I mean, the, saying, hey, can this can this truly be the Messiah? Right. Cause she, and the, what's cool to me is that she knew of this Messiah. Yeah. She knew that the Messiah was coming, was looking for the Messiah. And I think that's, there's something to be said for looking for mm. the Messiah. Because I feel like the world in which we live is not looking for a Messiah. They are, but they're they're looking in all the wrong places, and they don't realize that what they're looking for is found in Jesus. Mm. That gets a soft topic, but let's go back to yeah. John four. So here she is. She 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 leaves. You know, the disciples come back. They're like, uh, why? What? Why? <laughs> what? What's going on? Hey, Rabbi, we got some food. And uh, uh, <laughs> what do you? What is happening? Right. <laughs> and she goes back, and and it says that. And many Samaritans in the city believed because of her testimony. Mm-hmm. So he, he meets this woman, yep. right? He tells her about the gift. And then he confronts her sin. Mm-hmm. He doesn't let her off the hook of it. But he's like, let me show you something better. Mm-hmm. And, and then she goes and tells other people about this something better. Right. And this whole town that she was the laughingstock or the, or the thing of gossip about. Mm-hmm. Now she can confront them and saying, yeah, that doesn't matter right. <laughs> because I'm a different person because I met this guy at this well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think our story, I think, I don't think our story ended there either. Oh, absolutely not. Um, and when you go back to Nicodemus, how do we live that out? That's how we lived it out. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wasn't a jerk about it and he wasn't heavy handed, but he didn't let it off the hook either. Right. I mean, he calls it out. He's, yeah. He doesn't say, to, to be fair, Jesus is perfect and knows exactly how to handle everything. And, and But we need to learn from him, right? That's one of the reasons we have four Gospels, is so we can learn from how Jesus interacted with people. But he also doesn't say, oh, it doesn't matter how you live. Right. And a large part about my testimony is there was someone who was willing to say, is how you're living working for you? Ooh. Yeah. And truly, call. truly yeah, working for you. Truly, not the not the fake thing. Oh yeah, it's working great. No, deep yeah. down, think about it, reflect on it, contemplate it. Is it really working? Because the Holy Spirit is constantly, if you are in this side of heaven, calling to our souls, because that is where our souls belong. Mm-hmm. So deep down, in I truly believe every person is that draw. To the Holy Spirit. Now we can push back because we have free will, but I think it's there. Mm-hmm. And if you can ask yourself, is how you are living, is this thing true? Is it life bringing? Are you happy? You know, and I think about the Ten Commandments, and yeah. I've never met an adultering, lying. 
person who hates their mother and steals stuff, happy. Right. Never, not truly happy. Not truly. Maybe in the moment. Right. But it's not a, it's a fleeting. Or pretending they're happy. Yes. Um, is, is it fulfilling to you? Because I have something better. Mm-hmm. And we just trust that it's actually true. And better doesn't mean all my problems will disappear and everything. She still had to go home and talk to her boyfriend. <laughs> right. Right? Like, and we don't know exactly. I, I want to just mention, we don't know exactly how this circumstance worked for her. Mm-hmm. Right? Because it says she wasn't with her husband. She's had five husbands. A lot of people make the assumption that well, she the man was, you're with now is not your husband. Right. Make a lot of assumptions about her promiscuity or something. It might just be that she's a widow Five right. times over. Could be. And it could be that at this point, she's like, I'm not even going to bother getting married because it's yeah. not worth the the she effort in doing so. Woman or whatever. I mean, it, we, I hate to jump to conclusions about anybody's, <laughs> totally fair. Um, you know, morals. And again, one of the things that I always like to bring up whenever we read scripture, whether it's Exodus or John, which by the way are like 1500 years apart. In, in writing, so we want to make sure that we understand that, but also that that this culture, the Samaritan culture in first century AD, um, under Roman occupation, is a very different culture than 21st century North America, mm-hmm. or 21st century anywhere in the world in the 21st century. Sure, yeah. And so we cannot, we, we, we have to be careful about reading our own morals, our own cultural assumptions into mm-hmm. the story. Um, but at the same time, understanding that in that culture, in that time, she's a woman. Mm-hmm. She can't, she does not have nearly the amount of rights that we have as women here now. Mm-hmm. Um, but also to think that God, Jesus, uses a woman here as an evangelist, mm-hmm. which was completely cross-cultural, mm-hmm. against culture, you know, even butting up against culture. In fact, the disciples come back and they're like, dude, what are you what are you doing talking to a lady by yourself? Like, this is totally inappropriate. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, and, and Jesus does that. He he breaks down cultural barriers that are wrong. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a whole other topic for another podcast, but we could dive into that. But, but ultimately, if we think about God's characteristics, because we started out kind of trying to talk about, you know, God is love and God is holy Hmm. and how these work together, right? Because he doesn't ask us to follow him and stay who we were. Right. He he will accept us where we're at, right? He he understood. He understood the the Samaritan woman, Mm -hmm. accepted her where she was. However, moving forward, just like I think of the the story of the woman caught in adultery as well. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, no one condemned you. I'm not going to condemn you. Go and keep sleeping with guys. Mm-hmm. No, he says, oh, no one condemned you. Neither do I. Go and sin and no more. more. There's something better for you. Right. And, and there is something better. I mean, the redemption of Christ, the holiness we find in Christ is far superior to living in the sin that the world would propagate. The world would say, oh, this feels good. It's nice. And, and we can trust him when, he, when, he's, when he's killing those. Because you can't be born again unless you die, right? Ooh. And <laughs> die to self. Yes, but, but God is good. Yeah, he is good. And because he's good, we can, we can trust that the things that are dying in us are not. Mm. That the things that, are, that, that he's taking away or whatever. Are not good. Are not good. Yeah. Even if where they're comforting and they're nice, 
then they make us feel nice for a moment. Yeah. They're not good. God is good. And we can trust him. Mm-hmm. And I think in this holiness, we can trust him. Yeah. And I, and I find a lot of hope in that because I make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. But God is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love for me and for you and for everybody. Um, but he wants to bring us further than we are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I just thought of Bilbo Baggins. And um, <laughs> we could just close on this thought. But Bilbo... <laughs> But Gandalf and Bilbo Baggins. Bilbo Baggins, comfortable. And it, well, as comfortable as he can be. He knows that there's something kind of more. Yeah. Um, but hobbits in general didn't want to go anywhere. Right, right. right. I, I really resonate. And I, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to make like I that. resonate with the second breakfast <laughs> thing. <laughs> but here I, he is, right? Big feet. And, and he's, he's pretty much settled into who he is and what his life is. Yep. And here comes Gandalf. And he's like, hey, friend. <laughs> I got a, I got a something for us to do. Yeah. And Bilbo could trust Gandalf because he's his friend. Yeah. And they have this life mm-hmm. more wild and crazy and imaginable than Bilbo could have ever mm-hmm. anticipated. <laughs> and I think a little bit, Holy Spirit is kind of like that, right? Like, you can trust me. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I have something better than your couch <laughs> right well i think too uh, that just made me think of how god transforms who we are yeah right? he calls us to something deeper something more um something in close close proximity to him this relationship with him and how for some people that transformation is drastic mm-hmm. right um if your life was you know, an addiction or, um, fill in the blank. I don't know. Very sinful life. I can't even think of any good examples right off the top of my head that kind of jump out except addiction. But so I, th- I think of uh, a friend of mine, um, his dad came to the Lord and he was a drunkard, just drunk all the time, addicted to alcohol, comes to the Lord and immediately ceases having this desire for alcohol. That's a drastic transformation. Mm-hmm. But for some of us, if we come to the Lord where we didn't, we weren't drunkards, the transformation still happens mm-hmm. outwardly to the world. It doesn't look as drastic. So mm-hmm. I think of my own, my own kind of salvation story. I had a friend of mine who was a mentor in school and, uh, uh, I came to her after I came to, came to faith. I remember that summer distinctly. I told the story here, but I came to her. I'm like so excited. Hey, I, I became a Christian. I'm born again. And all this thing, I was super excited and very annoying and very evangelistic. And just like the woman at the well wanted to tell the whole stinking world about this (laughs) Jesus guy. And she said, Oh, you weren't already because my transformation didn't outwardly externally didn't look as drastic but internally, there was a huge transition. Mm-hmm. Or there's a huge transi- transformation internally. And God has continued to work on that transformation, mm-hmm. right? Because as I've surrendered bits and pieces of the sinful aspects of my life, not my personality, I'm still the personality that I had before. But God is using it 
for his glory instead of me using it for my glory. Mm. Praise God. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anything else for the good of the crew? No, it's just been really good being here on the same couch as you, Jenny. Amen. I I almost feel like we should record a couple more episodes just <laughs> just because we're in the same room and like get this done with so we don't have to use the internet and get technical difficulties. Although to be fair, you can have technical difficulties even sitting in your own apart you know our own living room here. But um, again, just reiterating uh, some of the things that we say all the time. But uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, ideas for upcoming podcasts, please reach out and let us know. If you uh, would kindly review or or comment on the podcast. That's those things that that feedback is super helpful for us because right now um, we're getting a few of those sporadically, but it's sometimes you. I feel like we're creating almost in a vacuum <laughs> where what's fun for us. I mean, you hear us laughing and and having a good time, and it does. Uh, I will say that doing this every week means that we have to touch base every week, which is good for our our own relationship, but also we can touch base and make sure that we're both doing okay. Yep. Uh, so I kind of hope that y'all have someone or some ones, multiple people that you can touch base with on a regular basis uh, to kind of check in with and make sure that uh, you're doing okay. But uh, anything else? Nope. We love you. All right. God blesses you. Why? So you can be a blessing to others. We'll catch you next time. Mm-hmm.